Blog Talk Radio. rather see that fight and you know there's been several things holding it up 
it is kind of funny hearing uh, some of the press so far going light on this situation, not destroying Eddie Hearn for saying, hey, dude, weren't we in this situation with Wilder? And, and you thought, everybody thought, most people thought, especially in the media, and in boxing, just let that fight happen, Deontay Wilder. Let Joshua, you know, in Fury fight and yada, yada, yada. So it is kind of funny. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he uh, he's got a job to do if we're being fair. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But like I said, I, I love undisputed fights. I absolutely love that we've gotten more of them. It's easier to do if we're being honest. Not to actually win the fight in women's boxing, not to win the fight, but to get the belts together. It's much easier. Um, but we've seen a string here in, in recent years that is phenomenal. However, um, I don't care <laughs> about if the IBF's not in it. I'm not going to do that. You know, lineal's lineal, dude. Is anybody years from now when we see a lineal heavyweight fight, is going, man, that fight would have been so much better if the IBF was involved, bro. No. You know? And, and hey, kudos to IBF to uh, be more stern than some of the organizations. I'll give you credit there. But then again, some of your ranking systems are just like the others. And so you're telling me Hergovic? you know, deserves a shot over some of these other, why can't it be a different boxer there? You know what I mean? Um, but it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm over here ranting. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. It sounds like Gervonta Davis is saying he's going to be back in January. Same with Boots. It might be a doubleheader with them uh, in D.C. We'll go over some news and notes, you know, current fight news and whatnot. And then we'll go through some of the WBC convention um you know, as far as the title fights and man and that, we're not going to get too lost into that because, as we know, sometimes these fights, tournaments get get called for and all that, and they don't they don't turn out. Some of them will. Some of them were already in process. Some of them were already maybe not. Well, some were finalized, but some were like on their way to being finalized. But either way, we'll talk a little bit about. It. Like I said, it will be a short show today. It was already going to be short, right? But. This technology got in my way, so I apologize if you're not getting your two, two-and-a-half, three-hour show today. What am I going to do? Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser. You can find the platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Player FM, Stitcher, Spricker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. And a host of other sites. Uh, while you're at it, why don't you head over to Phil Boxing. Um, and one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or, um, you know, you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as forty nine ninety nine for a limited time, two months. Uh, uh, it's the, you know, best of live TV and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks, which is becoming more difficult on cable. If you go with the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of showtime. Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. That's $160 savings there. Direct TV stream. Okay. Let's get into the mandatories and the WBC. Just kidding. That's just a joke. That's just a joke. We'll, we'll kind of glide through some of that. But let's start, and I believe this was Friday. I had a busy-ass weekend, so I saw a fight here, saw a fight there, but a lot of it was done in a lot, you know, watching it was done on Monday and Tuesday, if I'm being honest. 
Um, Sonny Edwards, Renee Elvarado coming into it. Didn't think, you know, Elvarado's a top 10 guy and whatnot. I, I, I respect him. That's for sure. Um, but the styles make fights. And, you know, I'd say through the first five, six rounds, Sonny Edwards was landing his left hook, uh, his straight right hand. Like I said, his little check hook uh, moving pretty well. Throwing an uppercut, you know, once in a while. Um, I'd say right around the fourth or fifth round, you did finally see Alvarado starting to land to the body more. Um, he was starting to cut the ring off a little bit more. I think in the fifth, really nice little flurry when he had him on the ropes to the body. So you can start to see the, you know, the tide change a little bit. But, you know, also something because of that pressure, because of being trapped on the ropes, you started to kind of see Edwards hold a lot. Not just your average clinch and, clinch and move, or if someone's trying to rough you up, you just kind of shut that down. It was starting to, you know, really clinch a fair amount. Shot off, then clinch. Uh, showed a lot of good movement, but it did kind of seem like seventh round and on, Elvarado was definitely knocking on the door and starting to break that door in a little bit. Um, and finally, landing more than just one or two shots to, to the head in a round. Um, that I thought that was key. Now, like in the seventh round, um, he was just ripping his you know, body shots uh, in the last part of that seventh round. You know, counters on the move with the right hand, hooks, those little check hooks, you know, uppercuts off, off the ropes. You know, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, Edwards was still doing his thing to an extent. I actually thought uh, he may have won the eighth round by countering with his right hand and just landing the cleaner shots. But like I said, you could start to see more – in more tie-ups. And then I gave Alvarado the ninth in the, the, the tenth. You know, with both hands going to the body, like I said, and he actually was starting to mix in a jab and following it up with power shots, mostly to the body, but, you know, every once in a while to the head as well. And like I said, more and more, you could see Edwards getting tra- trapped on the ropes and uh, just wailing away on that body and, uh, you know, by the 11th and 12th, especially the 11th, I mean, I'm not a big calling anybody that moves a runner. I just I just don't do that. You know, the old telephone booth fight and all that. It's a 20 by 20 ring, unless you're Caleb Plant. Unless you're Caleb Plant. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's, there's measurements of the ring, right? 18, 18, 22, whatever. Whatever you want to, you know, there's, there's different measurements. But generally, it should be 20, 20 in my opinion. But, um... So you can move. That's what it's for. And if you really, a lot of this generation doesn't even know what the fuck a telephone booth is barely, and they've never been in one. You can't really throw clean punches in a, in a telephone booth unless it's a huge one. Anyway, um, my point is, I don't like to go off on dudes who use their footwork. Um, but by the 11th round, it was borderline running and kind of just running at times. It really was. Um, but he had the lead. I get it. I'm not ripping Sonny Edwards for this. I think he's had a solid. He was tweeting the other day, you know, about his defense run so far. And I think he's a quality fighter. I'm not ripping him that way. The scorecard's red 2, 115, 113, and then a 116, 117. That's basically what I had it. 7 to 5, 8 to 4, something like that. I can see 7 to 5. I definitely can see 7 to 5. But um, a good performance by Sonny Edwards. I think he's uh, a guy that 
can continue to get better. I think he's got a lot of skills. Like I said, that check hook, um, the uppercut, the right hand, counter right hand, lead right hand, jabs okay. Um, he's pretty slick. You know, he's pretty slick. Like I said, the second half of that fight, maybe with a guy a little fresher or something like that, it'll be interesting to see how that works. But like I said, I'm not going to go too deep into stuff as far as his next fight just yet. But I think we, we kind of know what's going to be here, at least. Maybe not his next fight, but in 2023, he should get a pretty big fight. All right. So why don't we just kind of work our way to the ESPN main event? And uh, let's talk about that Montana Love debacle. Love spark in Cleveland. You know, it wasn't a big crowd, but it was loud. It was boisterous, so that was kind of nice. You like, you know, Cleveland doesn't get a lot of fights per se, so it is kind of nice to go to cities, especially when you get more than just one hometown guy on the card. Um, you know, the first round was pretty slow. Um, I thought. Spark actually, um, what was it? Uh, I thought he probably, I don't know. Did he win that first round? I don't know, but he for sure won the second round, obviously 10-8. Because, you know, 70 seconds into the second round. Uh, he kind of landed like a left hook, but then a right hand that landed pretty damn hard dropped Montana Love. Um, and by the third round, this shit was already getting pretty damn rough. You can kind of see. Um, and let's not, let's put everything into the equation um, when judging the end, to be fair. Um, because the reason why I say that is because what was it, the fourth round or fifth round where uh, I thought Love won the fourth round. But in the fifth round, you know, Spark did lift Love up early in the, in the round. So, but the jab, uh, the check right hook for Montana Love was pretty successful. Actually, that was the fourth round. Fourth round is where he picked him up. Uh, the fifth round, I gave to Spark nice right hands. He was getting to the body. Later in the round, more right hands. And uh, under a minute left in that fifth round, big, big right hand. And Love was countering off the ropes. Um, and he actually, with straight left hands, when he was on the ropes, he, he, like, pushed him back in that round. That was a pretty entertaining round. The sixth round comes around. There's a, there's a headbutt, accidental headbutt. Love had a cut. Um, on his left eye, um, the announcer was kind of repeating what each were saying, and, and he said that he couldn't see to the doctor. That's what that's what they you know that's what they could hear. And I think I heard that too. But there was a lot of talking back and forth, and then the doctor said, "Well, I'm gonna watch him for a minute." It, it was kind of it was kind of strange. Um, so anyway. Fight goes on. So Love lifted him up, or at least attempted, tried to lift him a little bit. Um, and then they were on the ropes, and he used his free, I think it was his right, if I'm mistaken here, correct me, but it was his right hand that was actually holding the rope. We've seen that trick millions of times, right? So he's got his right hand holding um, the rope so he can kind of contain the guy. And then with his left hand, he does clearly, like, use it to kind of wing him. Now, was he trying to wing him outside of it, per, per se? I'm not saying that. You know what I mean? Um, but remember, he did get lifted. It was getting dirty already. You know, at the end of the round, Spark, what was it, the 
fifth round, or was it at the end? Maybe it was that that fourth round too that sparked it something at the end of it. But anyway, um, you know, he did he did really help throw and kind of use his leverage to kind of lunge him out with his left hand. Um, now, was he trying to throw him out of the ring? I don't believe so. I think he was just trying to pay him back. And, and like I said, it was a rough fight. He tried to kind of go for a double leg lift, but then he kind of went off of it. But when he put himself down like that to kind of lift him, Spark was on his head a little bit. So he was kind of he was kind of clearing space a little bit, kind of showing, hey, dude, I can do this stuff too. But I think the difference there was the right hand on the rope and then winging it. And then you could see him, in a sense, follow through at the end. Um, I thought the, you know, the broadcasting was pretty good with it, you know, nailing the landing because he did. You know, I the, the last time I saw someone go out of the ring live was uh, in that Fondora, um Oh, what the hell is his name? Another tall mother effer. Oh, God. But he got back in the ring, and it was a draw. I just, why am I spacing his name? But um, I just saw legs, because both those guys have long-ass legs. I saw him go out of the ring, and I just saw legs. And it felt like, it, it, it seemed like he was on his head. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, he's getting right back up. No problem. You know, it was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, it, it, it happens. You know, we've seen it happen. Usually, it can be from a slip or whatever, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of on both sides of this because the fight was getting dirty. So, you know, you have a right to defend yourself. And although the I hate the, the quote, you know, in uh, Jamonte Clark, thank you. Someone just texted me that. I, yes, that's it, Clark. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was getting rough and tumble. Like I said, we've seen people go out of the ring. Usually it is kind of a, a slip or something like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, should it have been a DQ? He clearly was, like, if the ref saw him, like, you know, throwing his left hand that way and, and helping him and kind of almost following through, I don't know. You know, I, I got to admit, I'm a little in between. We've seen worse things happen in fights and no one gets DQ'd, <laughs> you know? Um, they should probably just do the fight again. I'm sure, I know even Eddie Hearn said, if it's a bad decision, we're going to appeal it. So, um, overall, though, Love looked ordinary. Spark uh, looked good for what Spark is, but he's pretty ordinary himself. Not too much uh, to take, actually, from... Uh, much of that fight as far as, like, judging people. Uh, you know, I think they should just do the rematch, to be honest with you. I, I really do. I did really enjoy the Raymond Ford Sakaria uh, uh, Lucas. I thought that was an interesting fight. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, Ford definitely cleanly beat him, but I thought it was an interesting fight. Um, I liked what I saw out of Ford, undefeated guy. I think he's 13-0 now. With a, I think he has a draw. But um, he scored a, a knockout here. Um, and pretty early and often, you know, Ford was landing to the body. I mean, that's how he, you know, he uh, – there was a 
I don't know, he landed a right hand, I think it was, to the body, like 40 seconds into the first round. Kind of see their feet were getting tangled there. Um, and then he kind of just flurried to the body. I think uh, he used a jab a little bit. He landed a nice left hand as well. Um, Ford, more like nice left hooks, I thought, especially in the second round. Third round was kind of more of a two-way round, and that's kind of how some of this fight started playing out a little bit more because you could start to see uh, Lucas was, was kind of timing him a little bit and able to land better. Uh, but the jab and a few good right hands were still the difference. The fourth round, a little bit slower. Uh, Lucas going to the body. Um, Ford still landing the better shots, really. Fifth and sixth, those straight left hands and left hooks uh, from Ford were pretty impressive. And then the eighth round, um, it was a right hand in an exchange because Lucas was throwing his right hand as well. Uh, knocked him out. Really good performance by Raymond Ford. And, and it, there were a few people I noticed looking later at night about the fight and just doing a little research about it, seeing what other people thought about it. Um, that Montana love reminded them of Broner. And was the broadcast team talking about that or something? I was, sometimes I was listening to the broadcast team. Other times I wasn't. Um, no matter what I was watching this weekend, or this week, I should say. Um, but I think, actually, Raymond Ford reminds me of, as far as the look of how a fighter is, his stance, the way he throws his punches, that type of thing, I'd say uh, Raymond Ford reminds me of Broner more than uh, Montana Love. I'm not trying to rip on Love or anything like that. I just think he's pretty ordinary. Not to say Ford, Ford's, you know, this elite-level guy or anything, but... I thought he looked pretty good. And then you had uh, on that card I want to talk about um, Richardson Hitchens. Um, he was against Yomar Alamo. Um, and I think he moved to, what, 15-0 now? Something like that um, with an eighth-round eighth, eighth round, uh, stoppage. His jab uh, was looking fairly sharp, Richardson was. Um, he would kind of land and then get out of range. And, but then, you know, kind of at, at times kind of brought uh, pressure with patience. So patient pressure. I thought he did a pretty good job at that. And you can see as the rounds went on, you did see the opponent, Alamore or Alamo, uh, pick it up a little bit. Um, but he was also moving a lot. In the eighth round, left hooks and right hands, and he basically didn't answer the bell of the ninth round. Uh, first opening for Richardson Hitchens. What I mean, uh, opening. I mean, this guy was an okay opponent, though. He, he wasn't a bad opponent. Um, but, you know, he just signed with Matchroom at the zone. And they were trying to set up this Montana love fight. So I wonder where that leaves us. You know what I mean? I, I kind of do wonder where exactly that is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, hopefully he, he – he gets to, uh, you know, continue to step up uh, the pace bar. Uh, maybe they'll have that. Maybe they'll just go right to that fight. I don't know. I'm assuming Montana Love's probably going to want to rematch Spark. He does have a sizable cut on his eye. So without that, you know, have that healed. But that shouldn't take too long. Um, you know, looking at it on the surface anyway. Um, and then on to the top rank card. Um, 
Tanisia Estrada won. Um, she faced kind of an outmatched opponent, Billy, what is it, Villanario? Villanaro? Um, but I, as the fight went on, I think she got better as the rounds went on her opponent. Um, she was starting to get bit. She was busy with her hands a fair amount. Um, she was one of those, like, tough customers. You know what I mean? Like, just tough. I'm not going to say rugged, but a tough customer. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. Who who will move their hands? Like, will punch back. Sure, Estrada would flurry on her. Um, but, you know, the scorecards were, like, she didn't win round. She probably didn't win a round. I think the scorecards were that, all three, 100 to 90. So it wasn't like you could give her a lot of, a, a round or two even, but it was some competitiveness in the ring. But Estrada's, her, um, you know, her punches were just crisper. Her combinations were crisper. She was just landing. She was placing her shots better. Um, so it was a decent opponent that fought hard. Like I said, the old cliche, tough customer. But um, once again, this was her first fight under top rank. So we'll see where she goes there. Now, as far as the main event, Shana Beck and Denzel Bentley. Um, man, when you look at the first, like, four rounds, you're thinking, yeah, this is about what I thought. Um, you know, Denzel was, was doing okay. But, like, I think his best punch for a while in the fight was the right hand to the body. And then at times later in the fight, he still started to be able to land that right hand up top. I think Bentley's issue was his left hook. It just, he doesn't, it wasn't technically sound. Like, he would land it throughout the fight. I don't know how many he landed, but there was plenty of them, but they just wouldn't land that clean. And speaking of not landing clean, his opponent, Shonabek, he wasn't really landing clean for a while. Um, he was spanking a lot, using his jab, a couple of little, you know, decent combinations or a decent left hand, but just being busier, mostly jabbing, uh, landing the left hand, or, or, or kind of partially landing, I should say, the, the left hand in spots. But then the fifth round, that was like, up until that point, by far the most competitive, you know, round. Um, and it seemed like, instead of like being on the move, showing good defense, he was kind of turning his defense into offense as well with Denzel Bentley. I thought he had a good round there. He, he could have maybe gave him the fifth round. You could definitely gave him the sixth round. Um, you know, the right hands to the body, like I said, it seemed like you could see him gain more and more confidence. And at the end of the sixth, I remember jotting down on my notes. I'm looking at it, at it right now. He kind of looked a little tired, John Big did. Kind of looked a little tired. Not like super gassed, you know, but, but kind of kind of was like hmm, wow that's you know that that's kind of kind of weird but you know you go through you get your second win and whatnot and you know i thought he picked it up to give his get him some credit i, I actually thought he picked it up the very next round um i think down the stretch yeah i wrote it 70 seconds left good left hand uh really good left hand by shot back at landing clean not just partially landing I thought the broadcast did a pretty good job of I'm talking about that. More right hands to the body. I did give that to Shana back. But then Bentley, for me, won the 8th, ninth, and 10th. Now, the ninth was close. It was a two-way round. 
Um, and like I said, finally, he was Bentley was landing to the head, too, with his right hand. Um, and once again, really starting to land that left hook, but it just wasn't all that clean. It wasn't all that accurate. Like, his landing, so you could say it's accurate on that, but, I mean, if you watch the fight, you know what I'm saying? Like, the left hook is just not technically sound. It's, it, it's just, it doesn't land at the right angle, I guess you could say. Um, and, you know, the 10th round was competitive, too, but I gave it to Bentley. You know, I thought he landed the better shots, and he, he had that offense to defense, or defense to office thing in spots where he was just being more effective than the 11th round. I mean, exchanges by both, uh, you know, that one was a close round, I got to say. Bentley seemed to be the busier one, and that's what probably won him the round. Um, I thought some nice left hands uh, from Shanabek, several down the stretch. Um, But, you know, I actually gave that round to Bentley. But then um, the left hand that kind of buzzed, well, not kind of, he buzzed. Denzel Bentley's leg looked pretty funky um, in that 12th round, and I thought that was a good way for Janabek to close out the fight. So 7-5, 6-5-1, maybe 6-6, six, six, um, you know, somewhere in there. But I do believe that there was a funky score. Oh, yeah, two of them, 116-112, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I could live with 8-4. to four. I'm trying to look at my scorecard again. I can live with an 8-4, to four, you know? I think it was closer to 7-5, but I can live with it. But what I can't live with is the, you know, the 118-110. I mean, let's call it what it is. Fucking ridiculous. That that was a shitty-ass card there. I mean, that that's not uh, blowing steam or anything like that. You know what I mean? That was, uh, that was kind of funky. That was funky. So overall, um, let's stop calling people boogeymen, dude. It happens. You know, it, it was a low, you know, with a low risk or high risk, low reward. It it really, what this fight came down to for the people that didn't take it, and, you know, when you look at it, Andre, based off how Bentley could have fought and how Andre, or did fight and how Andre fights, he, he should have taken this fight even though it was low money. Um, but to me, it was more like low money um, rather than this, you know, high risk, low reward. I don't think it's that high of a risk for some of the guys, some of the guys who they were talking about. But, you know, you do got to step in the ring. And so you got to, you know, got to give, you know, Denzel said, hey, I got an opportunity here to win a belt. I'm going to take it. So, you know, credit to him. He fought pretty good in it. That's for sure. He He, he has some good performances. But, you know, it just it just recently when he's actually started to face higher levels. So for him to kind of step up, you know, in this fashion, I thought it was – I like that part about it because some people were completely dogging this fight like it's just a shitty fight. And I get it to an extent um, because, you know, I mean, he gets stopped by Felix Cash. You know what I mean? A while back, I think it was probably two years ago, something like that. Um, he had that draw with uh, Heffron. Um, is it Mark? I think it's Mark Heffron. Um, he had a draw with it, but he came back 
and uh, ended up beating them. I think it was like a fifth round or fourth round. But, but prior to those two names that I just said, um, he really hadn't fought anybody. You know, and those names aren't awesome, but they're at least so he overachieved. Whereas Janabek, I just think whether it's like the broadcast team, whether it's like team top ranking ESPN, just like there's team Eddie Hearn, just like there's team um, uh, PBC, you know. I just think some of that was just like, dude, we get it, man. But there's a business of boxing, and like, and clearly Andre made a poor decision because he lost out. But he, his career is full of poor decisions, so that's really not a. I'm not. I never thought that he was ducking this fight, you know. But a lot of people ran with that, um, and the guy just doesn't really land clean that much. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, throw him out the window, you know? I mean, first of all, he won the fight, and uh, he can improve on that. And like I said, in the later part of the fight, he did actually start leading, landing cleaner shots. You know, he started to really land that left hand and stuff. So overall, let's just get away from the boogeyman stuff. You know, for a long time, it was hard for Thurman to get a fight. Spence to get a fight, this guy to get a boots is in the situation right now. Like, it just, it is what it is, dude. Like, you know, the high risk, low reward happens. But to me, this isn't, this is like mid risk, low reward is what a fight with Janovic was at that time. Now he's got a belt fully, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Is this, is this fight close enough to have a rematch? On my scorecard, it is. But I, you know, when it's eight four eight four and then a ridiculous ten to two, I don't, I don't think they'll have a rematch. Uh, so much. Also, I did forget uh, Christian Tapia against Thomas Matisse. I did forget that. You know what? It was on the back page of this of this piece of paper. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. This this actually, um, you know what I meant to say? The Ford and Lucas fight was some of the like the fun one of the funnest fights of the night. I, I this was actually what I was talking about. Now that I think about it. This actually was a fun fight to watch. I really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was the best fight of the weekend personally. Um you know, Matisse came out uh landing his left hooks. A left hook dropped him pretty early in the fight. Um and uh he landed like right on the top of the forehead. Was it the second round? I think it was the second round. Third round, Matisse still looking really good. Huge right hands. Uh, that, I mean, that right hand that bent Tapia over, I was like, how is he still on his feet right now? And then Tapia comes back and literally fires back. You know, like I was like in the last part of the round, the third round. I was like, okay, Tapia. Then in a back and forth round, I actually thought that uh, Tapia won that round. And I gave him the fifth round as well. Um, one thing I'll say about Tapia, though, he pushes, especially his jab. He did push his jab too much, um, especially kind of later in the fight. It was like, and I know some of it was like, I don't mean he was pushing his punches or his jab the whole time. And some of it was trying to clear, you know, create a hole, clear some space. 
to be able to land a, a power punch, but some of it was just ineffective. And I thought that's where it kind of got. Yeah, I gave him the fourth and fifth. Um, an early his overhand right was fun to watch too. Um, but it, you know, a very very tight fight. I thought at that point in the sixth and seventh, that, it was just fun. It was a fun round. Both of those are really really good. Um, late in the seventh, um, Tapia lands a flush right hand. And uh, speaking of right hands, Batiste uh, he landed plenty of them in that in those rounds. Um, you could split between those maybe. I don't know. Um, the eighth round though, I did get the Tapia uh, midway through that eighth. He landed a big big right hand, and the ninth was weird because the busier guy was. Christian Tapia, but then again, like the bigger shots were Matisse. So I'd probably favor Matisse on that one because the bigger shot. Tenth round, kind of pot shots uh, in on the move, counter shots on the move type thing. Um, late in the tenth round, you did see Tapia um, land some good, com- like a good combination. But overall, uh, the judges had a 97 92. Is that right? And then 92 of them, 97, 93. I did think Matisse won the fight, but man, I, when I look at it, well, you know, I, I probably the. It's funny because on the surface, Denzel and Janabek, that that's probably the best fight because it's for a title and all that stuff, and it was the, it was competitive as hell. But as far as the hitting the deck and ebbs and flows, I don't know. It's like it wasn't so. Because the first four rounds, Janabek just won those for sure. Four rounds. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of like, okay, Denzel's starting to work his way back into it. Janabek comes back a little bit. Then Denzel closes strong. But then the 12th round, Janabek kind of cleared it out and hurt him. You know, so I thought he won the fight, Janabek, by the way. I didn't call for a draw uh, over the top or anything. Would I have thought it was crazy to have a draw? No. Not, no. But to me, the, the back and forth where Tapia hits the ground and, uh, you know, like the first three rounds weren't going great for him. Then he, you know, wins like a chunk of rounds, just back and forth. I just thought it was a little bit more entertaining, if that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe it makes sense. We'll see. Anyway, um, let's see. This is Jake Donovan. Uh, uh, is it yesterday or the day before? Uh, the headline reads, Heard only way Usyk can get the IBF exception is if Hergovic, um says he can't, or he can, and he doesn't want to. So basically, you know, Hearn, um, Eddie Hearn and the Southern Brothers have already shouldered the blame for preventing the potential undisputed heavyweight championship fight. Um, in reality, the team behind Philip uh, Hergovic followed everyone else and ultimately played the hand dealt in a title shot, which, you know, this is a business. You know what I mean? This is a business. Um, and he co-promotes with Wasserman. He co-promotes Hergovic, so he does have to do what's right for his client. Uh, client the IBF, he told IAF TV, the IBF ordered it. We already said we're not willing to negotiate. This is the request of the team. I want to have an immediate purse bid. That's within the rules of the IBF. That means that you can not get an exception. Uh, the only way to get one is, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, 
we'll see where this goes. Um, on the surface, you know, it doesn't seem like they're bluffing because sometimes you can do this and then all of a sudden, hey, we're, we're going to get some step aside money. You know, it happens. You know, it does happen. But I don't know. This one kind of seems – I'm kind of in between on this. I really don't know. Um, but what I'm not in between on is if that's the scenario, okay, cool. Then just drop the belt and go to the undisputed. You know what I mean? Just drop the belt and go to the undisputed. Period. Um, and if Fury wanted to do that, I mean, that was a little bit different because that had that wasn't the WBC. There wasn't a mandatory or anything like that. There wasn't a purse bid. That was the contract. So he would end up owing money, uh, a fair amount of it. So it's not really the same scenario. But, uh, for instance, you know, if if uh, Spence wanted to fight Thurman and that's his last fight that he's going to 54, then just drop the IBF. And I'm not trying to just pick on the IBF, this individual show, right? But, like, or no, sorry, that's the WBA, isn't it? WBA, there you go, I'm not picking up. So just drop the WBA and fight Thurman and move on. Or are you really, maybe he is saying, hey, I'm going to spin the block, so I'm going to fight my mandatory, which, you know, Stanonius was his mandatory already, whereas the Keith Thurman just got ordered. Now, which one's a bigger money? Obviously Thurman. Um, Spence has been pretty vocal about not wanting to give Thurman a chance at a shot to fight, you know, to fight him a title shot. Um, because when he was trying to come up, he, you know, Thurman wasn't giving him the time of day. I get it, but I'd rather see this fight. Than to be honest, drop the belt, fight Thurman, and then try to get a fight with Crawford. And if there's one belt missing, Oh no. Oh God. You know, I'm not going to be so caught up in these undisputed that we don't get a great fight. Once again, are we really, I mean, this will find, you know, a Crawford Spence, as we know, would about it, you know, in, in 30 years, I'm going to be like, man, thing is, you know what ruined that fight, bro? No idea, bro. It's no WBA. They had to have the, I didn't even rent it because there was no WBA, bro. I just couldn't do it. You know, that's just stupid. So drop the fucking belt. If, in fact, you're going to do that. But, you know, if you want to fight Stanonius, you know, and then fight Crawford next, I'm not going to, you know what I mean, I'm not going to freak out about it. Um, and I'm sure the WB, I don't know, maybe the WBC would strip him. I don't, I doubt it. But, um, you know, maybe they would just get in line and then be like, hey, um, we're going to do something, you know, we won't get in the way of the Crawford Spence, but blah, blah, blah. But you just don't know the Crawford Spence. And by the way, I've already had multiple messages from last week and now right now, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm not going to go into detail with the Spence Crawford stuff every goddamn week, guys. I know shows saying stuff and some of the stuff is like makes you scratch your head. Whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it every single just not, they're not fighting next, so, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that that's what's going on. Um, by the way, um, um, 
Eidos Yerbasnuli. Yerbasnuli? Anyway, this uh, there has been some news uh, as far as him being transferred uh, from inten- uh, intensive care to, um, you know, uh, out of intensive care, basically, after having a surgery, according to the promoters, his health has improved significantly. Uh, of course, you know, he's still under doctor's care, which they said he's going to be there at least two weeks, a little while ago. Okay. Now, speaking of Stanonius, he says fight of the year pending. And then they got the little eyes emotion. So does that mean he gets a shot? I don't know. Also, you know, you, you saw um you saw what's his toes? Gervonta talk about DC in January. It, it, there's rumors bubbling that it's gonna be Gervonta in boots on a doubleheader in D.C., which if we can't get Ryan Garcia, that's cool that they're going to D.C. on East Coast like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, someone just texted me the Hartman Hartus, or Hardman Hardus knockout. I actually did see that, and you're right. That's a good, that's a good call. That that was a hell of a KO. I mean, that is up there. That's a good call. I'm glad that someone sent that to me. By the way, we got some good news for Canelo. It sounds like it actually wasn't this major wrist surgery that was being talked about. Um, it was actually more on his hand, and it was a little bit more minor than was first reported. But it, Canelo, this is bet three sixty five max, uh, said he's going to be in. You know, he's going to be back in the ring, Cinco de Mayo, 2023. By the way, if Usyk vacates the IBF to fight Fury for the lineal, Andy Ruiz would be ordered for the vacant IBF heavyweight title. If Ruiz, uh, you know, fights Wilder instead, then guess what? It would go to Joshua. I did. I kind of forgot that, that I was going to talk about that like. He's got his clients and everything, but if this, you know, if he thinks Wilder and Ruiz is already a done deal, basically, and he thinks that there's a decent chance that Usyk would drop this belt, well, then he's helping out his, his other client, his main client. Let's put it that way. Um, and there's there's more quotes from that IFL TV, uh, um, you know, interview saying like. Um, this has nothing to do with me. Uh, we don't represent Fury or Usyk, so you know that type of thing. Um, oh, Golden Boy actually signed Aaron Silva, unbeaten prospect from uh, Mexico. I think he's like ten and zero or eleven zero. Um, so the, there's that. There is that. Um, we'll see. You know how he how he goes along and how he you know. Goes with, I think he's 11 and 0, something like that. Um, also, Eddie Hearn has now made an offer to Natasha Jones to the rematch with Terry Harper in an undisputed fight. Harper, um, Harper's trainer and manager confirmed this, Steffi Bull. So that's kind of something there. Um, looks like Fundora will be back uh, April 2023. Here's uh, Jake Donovan had this story about the 
Oscar Valdez, Emmanuel Navarrete vacant title, formerly ordered by the WBO. Expected to take place February 3rd, which I believe is a Friday night. Um, they have like a 10-day negotiation period, blah, blah, blah. That that would be great. And by the way, about that, because someone just messaged me and I forgot to follow up on this. Um, Gervonta Davis, there's this rumor going out there that he's facing Abner Mars. And, and you know, um, Gervonta even said the source is shit. And then Abner came out. It, it, it's nonsense. That's not true. Um, I just want to clarify some rumors that have been going around some days that I'll be fighting Gervonta. It's lies. It's false. Nah, it's not happening. But, you know, makes sense. Now, Jose Zapata was arrested in Los Angeles. Um, this is TMZ Sports. The police uh, tell officers were called to the gym in Baldwin Park after a man claimed Jose Zapata had punched him in the stomach. Um, he was training there when the fighter allegedly hit him. Uh, officer says they couldn't find a witness. No video of the alleged incident was available. Um, he was cited for battery at the scene and then released. So whether that you know means something ultimately, I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, oh, here's some interesting news. So TGB Promotion requests permits for three dates at the MGM Garden. You basically reserve them, and then you go through the Nevada State Athletic Commission in the meeting. And uh, this is Al Dawson reporting here, and he said that they uh, have requested permits for three dates, the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, to be televised by Showtime, March 18th, May 6th, and May, or September 16th. So is that kind of setting up uh, the potential winner of Benavides and Plant to fight Canelo in September? And be like, hey, we got Vegas figured out. I don't know. Is there a plan to go to Texas or Cowboy Stadium or someplace in Mexico or someplace in the U.K. uh, for the May fight? I don't know. And I'm talking about Canelo there. Here's an interesting one, too. Um, Phil Weiss, speaking on the behalf of TGP Promotions, this is Al Dawson again, is seeking an exemption for a 2020 ring size to be increased to 22 to 22 for the title fight. The title fight would be contested by Benavides Plant, and the commission goes for it. Now, I'm against that. I've always said that. I've been steady with this. I don't like that at all. If it's a legit title fight or a just a, a, a legit, you know, bout, right, on the championship level or 12 rounds, whatever, or even a 10-rounder with, you know, just a quality fight, it should be 20-20 every time. It should be 20-20 every time. I don't, I don't like that. I don't care who it is. I don't care what fight it is. I'm just not a big fan of that. Uh uh, Andre Ward did come out. Here's some boxing tutor, then we'll get out of here. Uh, there are a lot of opinions and commentary about the Spence Cropper negotiations. That's true. Uh, the reality is that the majority really don't really know, and it's okay to admit that. There are a handful of people who know uh, the day-to-day. The rest uh, are just, you know, fighting their hearts out in the comments. Uh, y'all don't know, because he did say, the fighter should be at the table, so I agree with Crawford. And, and yeah, 
to an extent, you know, but you have to have great representation, though, that know the boxing business up and down. So, it's, you know, I, I don't know. But anyway, I do remember, and this is someone actually tweeted this. Yeah, you were real comfortable with saying Wilder wouldn't fight Fury. That is true, too. That is true, too. Um, this is Yannick. All champions saw, heard my 12 rounds. I hope that they don't avoid me now. Earlier, everyone was afraid of being knocked out. Now they have the the hope of not getting knocked out. For them, I have something. And Adamus, Carlos Adamus said, I'm ready. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to back out. I'm ready for the fight. Um, oh, here's another one. WBC featherweight Stephen Fulton will move up to featherweight. Wait, WBC. Oh, this is for the WBC BC featherweight division. Sorry, I read that wrong. This is boxing gray. Stephen Fulton will move up to featherweight to rematch Brandon Figueroa for an interim title bout. The winner fights uh, Vargas or becomes full champ if Vargas stays at 130. Isaac Dogbo and Mark McSayo ordered as a final eliminator. That's some Sean Gibbons stuff there. Uh, the towering Inferno will be making his return. Yeah, we know that. Uh, April 20, 2023. Fundora is not fighting Spence next. He's fighting in April. We're going to get Spence and Cody Crawler. Okay, I didn't think that. Sure. Um, Looks like the ticket sales on the surface as far as the, uh, you know, the press release saying they sold almost 10,000 tickets uh, for the Crawford Avenesian fight. So, you know, good for them. He's always been a good ticket seller there. I'm not going to hold you too much here, guys, okay? I got to get back to life like most of you guys do. Appreciate the listen. We'll be back in uh, a full form next week. Like I said, technology and life just got in the way. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Not a ton of fights to feature this weekend for obvious reasons, but hopefully something pops off. And then the following two weeks, Thanksgiving and December 3rd, Thanksgiving weekend and December 3rd, we got some really good fights. Anyway, be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.